Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. So I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, if you are just coming back from the holidays or you just got back in town, welcome back. We're really glad that you are here. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Eric. I am a pastor in training here at City Church. Um, I'm up here pretty often, just not in this capacity. Uh, so it's fun to be able to, to change it up a little bit. But if I haven't met you, I'd love to be able to, to do that sometime today, if you have time. Um, so if you've been coming around for a little while, we are just a few weeks into what we are calling our formation series. Um, if you haven't been around up until this point, I first off, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to see everybody. But I would encourage you to, to go on our website and see if you can uh, pull up the sermons from the previous two weeks, just to give them a listen sometime this week, I think they're going to help give a lot of really helpful context uh, for where we're ending up today. Uh, but that being said, I do want to give a quick summary of just some of the things that we talked about over the last couple weeks, just to uh, try to get everybody on the same page as much as possible as we go into everything today. Um, so the first week, we spent some time talking about how all of us, uh, all of us want to change, right, in some capacity. And the reality is that all of us are changing in some way. And our habits and um, just the things that we do on a consistent basis have a really large impact on shaping us and, and changing us to be certain kinds of people. And then last week, Kent spent time going into detail for us, uh, talking specifically about what the Bible is and what the Bible is not which is really helpful as we, uh, as we lead in today. So now we have a better idea of what the Bible is. We can spend some time today talking about what the Bible is for, right? So what the Bible is meant to accomplish when we read it. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a seat near you, in front of you. Uh, it should be actually under every seat. Um, if you are using one of our Bibles, the screen number, screen number, the page number is going to be on the screen, and you can, uh, you can go ahead and turn there. And if you don't own a Bible or you don't have one, uh, we would love for you to take one of those home with you. We want to be able to provide that for you. So go ahead and, and grab one of those if you do not have a Bible. Um, so we're going to be spending our time, like I said, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today in verses 14 to 17. So what I want to do, I want to read through the passage kind of in, in smaller pieces, and then kind of uh, systematically work through those pieces as we go. Does that sound doable? I certainly hope so. That is what we are doing. So that would be a problem. Uh, so this, uh, this book right here, this is the Apostle Paul writing to a guy named Timothy. So Timothy is a pastor and kind of a, a protege of Paul in the faith. And so um, he's, he's writing to him, and in this letter, I think we get a really good framework for understanding uh, what the Bible is, is meant to accomplish in us and in followers of Jesus as a result of reading it. So let's start uh, right at the beginning with verses 14 and 15. But as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we're going to circle back around to the last part um, of that verse at the end. But in this first piece, Paul is telling Timothy to do what? He's telling him to continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, right? Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have, and this, this next part's really crucial, um, that you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So to me, it looks like Paul is saying what needs to happen is we need to continue in being acquainted with the scriptures, right? It's pretty, pretty straightforward. So in other words, the, the goal of the scriptures is, is for us to continue in it day in and day out, immersing ourselves completely in the scriptures as a pattern in our life. Um, so by way of contrast, uh, I think that uh, a lot of us really tend to approach the Bible um, more like a, like a food pantry of sorts. So we, we don't always see it as something to completely immerse ourselves in and saturate our lives with, right? We, we don't see it as something that we necessarily need to be acquainted with over time. But a lot of times we see it uh, more like something that, that we go to when, when we want to or go to when we feel like it or, or something that we, that we go to just for, for a quick specific purpose, right? Think about the way that, that you approach a pantry, right? Think, I need some fruit today. I'm going to go grab some fruit. Going to go do that. Want some pasta? Great. Going to go grab some. It's going to be perfect. Or maybe it's like, I could go for a, just a little, a little spiritual pick-me-up today. I think I'm going to go find one of those. Or uh, I've, I've got this, this random life circumstance that popped up. Just going to flip through, find something, find something about that, right? Today I need a problem, or I have a problem. I don't need problems. Um, I have a problem that needs solving. So I'm going to just try to find something in there real quick. Or, or maybe... Uh, for some of us, it's more like, well, I'm going to have to win some social media arguments today. Bunch of dum-dums out here. Need to show them that I'm way smarter than they are. Got to stock up on some ammo, right? But here's, here's the problem with that. Uh, when, when we approach Scripture as this as-needed grab bag of sorts, um, I think we quickly lose sight of its intended purpose. So instead of looking at the Bible like a pantry, like we just talked about. We, we should really be, be looking at the Bible uh, more like a pair of glasses, right? So those of you who wear glasses or know someone who does, probably everyone knows someone, um, but, or if you wear glasses or contacts, whatever it is, you wake up in the morning, right? You, every morning, you wake up, you put in your contacts, you put on your glasses, and you have to make sure you do that so that you can see everything else more clearly, Right? That, that's, that's the way that glasses work. In, in the same way, we read the Bible regularly and we acquaint ourselves with it and we immerse ourselves in it because with our minds saturated with the scriptures, everything else in life starts to become clearer. Things that were, things that were blurry or, or things that were difficult to understand or thing, things that didn't make sense start to, to come more into focus when we're seeing it through this lens. And when you wear glasses, uh, it's not something that you just get up, uh, you put them on on Monday for like an hour, and then put them back in a drawer, and then hope the rest of the week goes well, 
Right? That's, not, that's not how glasses work. That's not the point of wearing glasses. You are losing the, the intended purpose. They can only fulfill their purpose when they are used correctly. And when we start using Scripture for its intended purpose, we, we really start to see how it addresses some, some pretty frequent pushbacks I think people have. So when we see it uh, more as a lens through which we should be viewing all of life and viewing ourselves, and we hear Paul say things like continue as an ongoing thing, we can get out of this mindset that I think a lot of people have of, I just I feel like I didn't get anything out of it today. I mean, I, no point in reading it again. Right? We can get out of that mindset, and we can get into the mindset of thinking, what is this accomplishing in me over time? We can see the bigger picture, right? We can see the role that Scripture serves in shaping us. And I want to spend the rest of our time today talking through the four ways that Paul talks about in this passage that Scripture is helpful in shaping us. So Paul is next going to move into describing why we should immerse ourselves and why we should immerse ourselves in Scripture, and why we should be acquainted with them. So if you take a look back at the passage, we're going to pick it back up in verse 16. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, which is where power comes from, right? Just like we talked about last week. God is behind the Scriptures. And if God is behind the Scriptures, then the next part of this naturally flows right out. So Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we see right here that Paul is saying, because Scripture is all breathed out by God, it is profitable. Right? And that, that means that it's, it's beneficial for us to read and to spend time in and to develop the habit of reading and being immersed in. Now, that does not mean that it is always helpful in the exact way that we want it to be helpful in the moment, but it is helpful nonetheless, right? And next, Paul tells us what it is helpful for specifically with these four things. So I want to go through them one at a time and just try to help flesh out some of those ideas and some of the specifics of what Scripture is meant to accomplish in us or what Scripture is for, So the first thing we see in this passage is Paul says scripture is for teaching. It is profitable for teaching. So I would briefly define teaching as instructing in things not already known. And some translations actually do translate that word as instruction instead of teaching. But the implication here is that it is useful in showing us things that we might not already know. Right? That's how teaching works. When you're being taught something, the idea is that you don't already know everything about the thing you're being taught about, right? That's, that is what teaching is. And the bigger implication, in my opinion, is teaching almost always takes place over time, right? I, I think that is, it's a rarity that teaching is exclusively a one-off, right? It is an ongoing thing. It is a consistent thing. It is not fully accomplished in an instant. So if you think back on things that maybe you were taught or tried to be taught in elementary school or middle school or high school, I'm sure there were plenty of things that seemed like you absolutely did not need to know that thing in the moment, right? Everyone has been sitting in a class thinking, there is no way I am ever going to use this. And sometimes that's true. 
There are some things I've, I've never used that I was taught. But a lot of it seemed like you didn't need to know it in the moment. But a lot of it was also fundamentally important and fundamentally necessary to be taught and to learn nonetheless to help provide the building blocks for what you need to understand. So you don't show up on your first day of calculus or, or first day of American history or whatever it is. Show up, sit in on the first class, never show up again, never do any homework, never study at all, and then show up and ace the final on the last day. That's not how it works. That is not how teaching works, and that's not how learning works. And the idea of teaching also means that not all of the information and the content is necessarily going to be immediately applicable, right? It doesn't always have immediate applications. It does sometimes, and that's great, but it doesn't always. And a lot of what we learn serves as building blocks for, or, or a framework is a good way to think of it that shapes the way that we view a much bigger picture. And, and that could have a huge impact on us down the road. Maybe not immediately, maybe not right now, but it helps provide the framework that we can then use throughout our life. So I've heard a lot of people say things like, uh, I just, I don't feel like it really applies to my life. You know, the stuff I read doesn't, just, it just doesn't apply. And sure, there are certain things that you can find in Scripture that would not be fully applicable in your day-to-day life. That I acknowledge that. But the Scriptures as a whole play a huge role in teaching us what a life lived through the lens of Scripture looks like. And I want to caution people uh, against the tendency uh, to, to thinking Scripture only has value if it immediately answers the questions that we bring to it. So here's why I don't want people to assume that the questions we're, we're asking are the only things that we need to know. And I think a guy way smarter than me uh, named Eugene Peterson put it really well. He's a, a minister and an author. He said this, We're fond of saying that the Bible has all the answers. And that is certainly correct. The text of the Bible sets us in a reality that is congruent with who we are as created beings in God's image and what we are destined for in the purposes of Christ. But the Bible also has all the questions, many of them that we would just as soon were never asked of us, and some of which we will spend the rest of our lives doing our best to dodge. The Bible is a most comforting book. It is also a most discomforting book. And that is not a typo. Discomforting is a word. I did not know that before today. So, discomforting is just another way of saying that the Bible is a book that causes us discomfort. So, uh, my wife Sarah was in a life group one time with this woman who, uh, she was growing in her walk with God, right? She was learning more about God, about the scriptures. And um, as she was learning more and more what it looked like to follow him, uh, she grew in her understanding and she grew in her relationship with Sarah as well. And, and she was... Uh, at the same time, she was in a, in a relationship with this guy who was not following after Jesus at all. He was not interested in it and, and was not doing that. And so as she was growing and as she and Sarah were becoming better friends and some of the other people in their life group were, were growing together, the things that Paul talks about in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 started to come up in conversations. So in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 6, if you don't know, you don't have to turn there. Uh, But Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, Paul is not specifically describing a dating relationship in this passage. 
but this does absolutely apply to dating, right? And, and as she was growing in her walk with God and as she was growing in her relationship with other believers and her understanding of Scripture, with other believers' wisdom, uh, she, she realized that she needed, to, she needed to break it off with this guy because that was not what Scripture was teaching, right? And so that's an example of the Bible teaching someone something that they didn't already know or that they didn't already realize before they heard it from the Scriptures, I think we see this personified a lot as well in the way that Jesus interacted with people throughout the New Testament. So if you've spent much time reading the New Testament, you'll know that when Jesus is interacting with people, he is constantly asking them questions, right? Somebody would come up to him, and they're going to ask him something. And he so often responded right back with another question. And a lot of the times, the questions that he asked people in response gave them a lot more to think about than they, than they thought they bargained for. Right? A lot more than they, than they expected. But that's exactly what Scripture does in the life of a follower of Jesus. Right? It, it certainly answers some of our questions, and thank God for that. But it also causes us to ask quite a few questions of ourselves. So Scripture teaches us over time what it looks like to continue to grow to be more like Jesus. And as we grow, our, our framework grows and we grow in seeing things through a constantly maturing lens. So the next thing that we see Paul talk about is uh, he tells us scripture is useful for reproof. Uh, so I would, I would define reproof as helping to discern between good and bad, health and unhealth. Uh, I think a more accurate translation of this word uh, is a proof or a conviction. right? So reproof is, is really the way that scripture offers confirmation when we are doing things right and conviction when we're doing things wrong. It serves as a proof for us. So in reality, as we read scripture, we should really be seeing the ways that scripture reads us. Right? I, think, I think this one in particular is, is pretty straightforward. Right? A large part of what scripture does in a follower of Jesus is to serve as a proof. It serves as a, a litmus test of sorts, to help us see more clearly how our lives do or, or do not align with what Scripture teaches. So we get to form habits around diving deeply into Scripture and, and use the Scriptures to, to look at our own lives and see if it aligns. We get to allow the Spirit to use what we find in the inspired words of God to convict us in the areas where we haven't allowed God to work and we haven't allowed God to change us and we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to do anything. And it also gives us the opportunity to correctly celebrate the ways that we have and the ways that we are growing and the ways that we do let the word of God convict us. So if we're not viewing scripture correctly, we're not allowing it to serve its intended purpose in our lives. So I know, I know plenty of instances in my own life where this has been true. Uh, one glaring example of this for me is actually when I worked at a, a week-long residential camp one year. So I had a group of sixth-grade boys that I was responsible for, um, which is scary that somebody gave me that responsibility. Um, but there was this one kid in particular, um, just to put it plainly, he was just awful. He really was. Uh, he, he would always, like just on principle, would just do the direct opposite of what I asked or what I told him to do just every single time. He, he would sneak out of his room at night. He always had an attitude with me. He, 
Uh, he was always fighting against me and like trying to rally other people to do it. He, it was just, it was, it was terrible. But naturally, I was getting frustrated, right? I was getting frustrated with the situation. But more than that, I was getting frustrated with him specifically. Um, so I went to the Lord with it, right? I was flipping through scripture. I was praying through it. And basically, I was digging through the Bible to try to find some kind of justification for how mad I was at this child because I thought I was going to find it. Uh, I'm not sure why. And trying to find things that I could do to just deal with this kid because I was just at a loss. And so as I was digging through it and as I was praying through it, I started to, to feel more and more the Lord was showing me through the things that I was reading and through the things that I was feeling that this is exactly the way that I act towards him, right? I constantly would rebel against him. I would go against the things that he said. I would, I would turn my back on, on his commands or the way that I felt like I was supposed to be living my life. And when I did these things, he would chase me down every time, right? He loved me in the midst of it, and he forgave me in the midst of all of this. And it became overwhelmingly obvious uh, that I did not have an ounce of grace for this kid, and my group. And I was not being loving. I was not being forgiving. And I was, I was actually trying to use scripture as a justification for my lack of grace for him. And through reading it, I was able to, to see how that was not correct, how I was not aligned with what scripture was teaching. And I, I think we see in other areas of scripture too just how consistent and accurate the scriptures are in providing opportunities for conviction for us. And one of the most detailed and graphic illustrations, I think, of the way this happens is found in Hebrews chapter 4. So we're going to put it up on the screen in verses 12 and 13. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we can see just how vulnerable scripture describes us when we allow it to work in us the way that it was intended, right? There is nothing more vulnerable than being naked and exposed, in my opinion. I don't know. You might be able to come up with something, but I don't think so. But those times are are when we are able to see where Scripture is calling us to growth, right? Listen, some of the most condemning, mean-spirited people out there are people who have spent plenty of time letting the Bible teach them things and no time at all letting it convict them and no time at all letting it expose things in their own heart. And some of the people that are the most compassionate people you will ever meet, people who lay down their lives daily, who let the Bible convict them and expose things in them. And over time, letting it do that humbles them, right? It makes them tender-hearted towards other people because they can clearly see that they're no better than anybody else. And one of the most beautiful purposes of Scripture is that it doesn't just lead us to conviction and then leave us there, right? That's not what it does at all. No, it, it helps lead us from there into the next thing that Paul talks about, which is into correction. So correction is just the act of restoring to a place of health. Some translations actually say setting straight or setting right again. So thankfully, the Bible doesn't just stop at showing us what we're doing wrong, right? It, it actually gives us help and gives us instruction on how to set those things in our life right again. 
So the Bible is not just a, a written version of an angry street preacher yelling at you about all the sins that you may or may not have committed. Right? It does expose areas of weakness. Absolutely, that's one of its roles. But when it does, the Holy Spirit walks with you through the difficult and often long process of returning things to how they were intended to be, right? to make things straight again. So I want to give uh, another example from my own life. Uh, to help illustrate the point and also remind everyone that I am far from perfect, to say the least. Um, So a lot of you might have had similar experiences to this. Um, uh, When I was in high school, there was a group of people that will say I did not exactly jive with. That's one way to put it. Uh, And quite frankly, they they made my life pretty difficult. Um, They they would frequently call me uh, really hurtful names. They, They would go out of their way to exclude me from things, which... I had a class of 18, so being excluded was very significant. Just want you to know. Uh, they would start rumors about me and all, all kinds of stuff, just to list a few of the things that happened. So needless to say, I could not have been happier when I graduated and I was able to get out, right? I was able to leave and get away from them finally. But it did not stop there for me. Um, my interactions with them stopped, but my relationship with them in my mind did not. I had this, this deep-seated distaste for these people. Um, like it, it got so bad to, to the point where I just felt so justified in being against them in my mind. And, and there, were, there were times where I would, I would see something on social media or, or I would hear something you know, through the grapevine about their lives. And if I felt like I was doing better than they were, this just self-righteous sense of pride would just well up inside me. It's like, Good, good for me for being better than you. Like that was, that was what was happening in my mind because of the way that I was feeling towards these people. And I remember, I remember very clearly, one day in particular, I was reading in the book of Matthew. I got to the end of chapter five. Um, so this is a part of scripture that I knew well. I was familiar with it. I had heard it plenty of times. Uh, but something about the, my mental state that day and the stars aligning, it just broadsided me. So if you don't know, Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies as yourself and pray for those who persecute you. I could not have been any further off in the way that I was viewing these people. Right? I did not have any love for any of those people, and I had certainly never prayed for them. Well, I had, but I was actively trying to pray against them, which is not what this is talking about. I had literally tried to do that. And praise God that, that Scripture didn't just say, hey, just stop harboring hate against people. Just, just stop. Like, that's not, that's not helpful. I, if I could, I would have done that at that point. But it actually told me what to do instead of that, right? It helped restore me to the right way of approaching these relationships, for praying for these people, for praying for the people responsible. Now, it's not always going to be so glaringly obvious uh, and it's not, reproof and correction might not just be served up on a silver platter like they were for me in that instance. And also hear me say, it is not always going to be an easy thing to change. Um, I, I still wrestle with that. And, and that is okay. And it's, it's the way that scripture is showing the way to be made right again. So when Paul says scripture is useful, in correction, he is saying it's useful in showing followers of Jesus the way they should go and allowing the word of God to change 
and to shape us as we continue to grow. So the last thing that Paul tells us Scripture is useful for in this passage is for training in righteousness. So in other words, shaping through repetition and endurance. I don't know about any of you, uh, but when I hear the word training, I immediately think of a long-term commitment to some kind of growth, right? That's what training means. Uh, So when you train for something, you spend specific, consistent time in something to grow in it over time. When was the last time you said you trained for something and you only did it once? Or you only did it a couple times, right? That That is not what training is. That's not how it works. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. And that, that's alliteration, so you know it's true. It has to be. It's a fact. Uh, so, so let me give you just a quick real-world example of the way this works. So a friend of mine here at City Church named Hayden in the front row. Uh, for reference, I did run this by him, and I did get approval to share this story. Uh, So Hayden was training for a half marathon for a while. Now, being the longtime friend that he is and our history of trying to do things together, spend time together, hang out, naturally he asked me to join him, right? He asked me to join him in his training. Obviously, I said no, clearly. Uh, But he was persistent, right? He he was persistent in his training, in his training for this half marathon, and for, for him asking me to join him on runs. Long runs or short runs, whatever it is, you name it, he asked, right? This went on for months. He was repeatedly running longer and longer distances, going faster and faster, getting better and better, and I I could see the progress that he was making in his training because of his dedication, because of his commitment. He was going longer distances, faster times, all of this. I could see that progress. It was because of his training, because that is what training does to us. Consistent habits over time form us into specific types of people. So because of his repetition in running, he was getting really good at running longer and longer distances, right? And I was getting really good at saying no. It was like repetition was key. Uh, So that's because when we train in something, when we do it over time, when we do it consistently, we naturally become more inclined and more able to do those things. So my point here is not that I've gotten lazy um, or that I have become averse to running long distances, uh, despite the fact, side note, years of real-world experience have led me to believe my odds of being chased are slim. So I'm just going to point that out. But my point is similar to what Kent talked about last week, or actually in previous weeks, in both weeks, that our habits play a huge role in who we are becoming. And, and the role of Scripture plays directly into that. Scripture is there to help train us in righteousness. So over time, consistently spent immersing ourselves in the truths of God's word, we get to participate in this training. And the nature of training, like we talked about, is that it occurs over time. Right? It has a propensity to be a slow process, but that does not by any stretch of the imagination mean that it is an unfruitful one. There are plenty of other areas in our lives where we do this, right? We do things over and over again that we get hardly anything out of in the moment, 
right? We brush our teeth every day because of the long-term benefits. Well, some of us brush our teeth every day. Some of us forget sometimes. Um, So we go to work every day, though, despite probably not getting much of an emotional, life-changing experience out of it every time, which if you are, please talk to me. I want to know what you do. Um, but that, that's something that we do all the time. So uh, people, people feed their kids every day. That's a great thing to do, right? They don't get much out of it, though. And honestly, depending on the kid's age and cooperation, I've actually seen it take a lot out of people instead of being life-giving for them, right? But we do these things because we know that constantly and consistently participating them, in them over time is going to get us to the place that we want to be and the place that we need to be. So I want to take a second now um, just to look at the last part of the sentence that we've been talking about in 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 17. So Paul says the purpose of all of this is that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So to be complete, you need this entire process to take place. right? You, you don't just need new information in your brain. right? You don't just need teaching. You need reproof. Right? You, need, you need to see where the things that you've learned confirm or expose things in your life the way it currently is. And you don't, you don't just need it to expose things in you. Right? you. You need for it to show you how to set things right again. And you don't just need those things. Right? You, you need to participate in that process over the long haul so that it can have its full effect in your life. Right, that, that is what it looks like to let the scriptures form you into a more whole, a more, a more healthy, a more complete, a more equipped human being. Uh, but in order to do all of that, uh, there is one really crucial element that you cannot miss. And so I want to end reminding us uh, what Paul talked about at the end of verse 15. I said we come back to it. He says that these things are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So I really, I really want to emphasize that. Through faith in Christ Jesus. So faith in Jesus is, is going to be what unlocks everything that we just talked about. Right? Without an understanding of who you are in Jesus you won't have the humility required to see the value in learning things that you don't already know or things that you don't think you need to know. Without faith in Jesus, you, you'll have no desire to let the scriptures convict and expose things in you that are off, right? Because that, that would sound horrifying to do. You, you would think that your identity would rise and fall based on being right, and without faith in Jesus, you, you won't have a desire to set things right again in your life because you'll think that you're already right. And without, without faith in Jesus, you're not going to stick it out through the long process of training and righteousness. You're not going to do that because you won't see any value in staying in that for the long haul. Right? But with Jesus and with faith in Jesus, like this passage talks about, we can see more clearly who we are in him. Right? We can humbly approach him knowing that there's so much that we can be taught. We can seek out the ways that our lives align with his words for confirmation or, or ways that they don't align with his words for conviction to help 
spur on correction in us. Because in him, we can rejoice in becoming more like him. Right? And, and in him, we can joyfully participate in this long-term process because we know that it is worth it. And he is faithful. Right? We see it clearly in Philippians 1 verse 6. We're going to put it up on the screen so you don't have to turn there. But I want to end this morning here. It says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So the, the goodness and the beauty of this relationship with God is something that is so amazing that I don't want anybody to miss out on this. Right? I, I think based on what we've looked at today, I really think the scriptures are one of the primary ways that this relationship is going to grow and develop. So as we close, I want everyone to just take a minute to think through um, your interactions with the Bible recently and consider if you're allowing the scriptures to do these things. Right? Can, you, can you pinpoint times that the Bible has taught you something that you didn't already know? Are you consistently letting the Bible be the Bible and not simply just use it to reinforce beliefs and biases you might already have? Can you, can you recall times uh, recently that the, that the Bible has reproved you, that it's shown you things that you, that you did were in line with Scripture or exposed and convicted things when it wasn't? Right? Are you allowing the Bible to read you as you read it? Can, can you point to times where the Bible has set you back on a healthy and good and correct path? And lastly, are there there ways that the Bible has encouraged you to pursue and and to endure even uh, when maybe you you rather wouldn't? So if those things are happening fairly regularly, that's awesome. I love that. And and that likely means that you have a a really healthy relationship with the Bible. You're allowing it to, to do what it was designed to do in you. Uh, but if there are any of those things that, that you feel like are, are not present in your relationship with the Bible, uh, I would invite us all just uh, to go ahead and pray right now. So everybody go ahead and bow your heads. You can put your, your notebooks and Bibles away. Um, but I just want everybody to, to pray that the Holy Spirit would, would break down um, just whatever walls you've put up or, or whatever blindness you might have um, so that the scripture can, can do what it was made to do. So God, I just, uh, I want to thank you so much for um, the scriptures, for what you have given us through your words. Um, we, we thank you that it is breathed out by you, that it, that it is profitable uh, that it's that it's helpful for us in teaching and and reproving and convicting and and showing us opportunities for correction and growth and for for training in righteousness as we continue to grow to be more like you. I, th- I thank you that that's something that you've given us. Um, God, I just pray that all of us in the room, um, all all followers of Jesus, and everyone would would see the value in scripture, that that everyone would see that the scriptures are one of the primary ways that you grow us in 
that relationship with you that is so beautiful. Um, yeah, God, I just, I pray for that desire. I pray for that passion. And I pray, I pray for that growth as well, that we would participate in training together, um, that we would know none of us are alone um, and that we can do this as a body. Yeah, I pray that you would continue to convict and expose ways in our life that we are not aligned with you and that we could celebrate the ways that we, that we are and, and find, find ways to pursue um, being made right again through you. Um, thank you that we have that opportunity together. And I pray that our, that our love for you and our love for the scriptures um, continues to grow and that we would all continue to grow to become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.